Divine Hope from Unicorn Marketing Co. I'm your host and welcome to the Magic Hour. Hi, welcome to the Magic Hour. After a brief hiatus, we're back and I'm so excited today to be a guest, Chloe Ariel. She's from, I think, North Carolina. I'm very excited to chat with her today. Um, for those of you who are new to the Magic Hour, uh, this is a space that I like to create that's about slowing down on a Friday afternoon and meeting new people, talking about creative things, and just getting in touch with each other. Uh, so welcome, Chloe, to the Magic Hour. Thank you. I'm excited wow. to be here. So excited. <laughs> and very soon, this is going to be a podcast. So if you're listening now on Instagram Live, you're very lucky. And if you're listening later, we're so excited that you're here. Um, Chloe, tell us all about yourself and your company. Sure. Um, so my name is Chloe. Um, I grew up in northern Michigan, um, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina earlier this year, actually. Um, so living the city life now. Um, I do brand and web design for kind and conscious businesses. So basically, I help people who are helping other people or helping make the world a better place in some way. I love that. Kind and conscious businesses. How did you first get started in design? So it actually goes way back to junior high. Oh. Um, I worked on the yearbook staff as a little 12-year-old. Um, oh yeah, so I got really into it then. And then I continued um, through high school working on the yearbook and then the newspaper. Um, and... In one of my classes, we watched the, there's a movie about the Font Helvetica. It's a documentary and very good if you want to check it out. I have not um, heard of this. It's it. a quality <laughs> film. Um, but in the film, they talk about how impactful design is and how, like, everything that you see every day has been designed by someone to influence you in some way. So, like, even just the street signs, like, they tell you which way you're going to go and I was like, holy cow, like, <laughs> design is so freaking powerful. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to wield that power for good and to make a positive difference in the world. So that's, I kind of set the goal to, in high school to have oh my a design studio to do that. So yeah, just been working towards it since then. That's amazing. <laughs> I am so proud of you for knowing your truth so early in life. That's beautiful. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> So you're here now. I'm sure you've been out of junior high, high school for quite a while. <laughs> what is the what was the process behind building your company, and what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? Sure, um, I learned a lot. <laughs> I I did go to school for design. Um, I went to MSU, and then I started my business while I was working a corporate job, um, which. Same. I would recommend. <laughs> it was definitely in the days where like hustle culture was like the thing and so it was like yeah I'm hustling I'm working my 40 hours a week and then I'm coming oh. home and working my own job and then you know early early getting up early in the morning to work with clients and working on the weekends and I mean it worked <laughs> um but it was it led to burnout um of course. but yeah so that's how I kind of got my own business started going from corporate to my business. I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that. Nowadays, I probably would maybe go down to part-time in a corporate job while building clients on the side just to 
you know, take care of my physical and mental well-being. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up starting my business. Cool. I had the same experience. I started uh, like in a corporate job and I didn't really love it. And so I started freelancing on my own doing that. And then it started to get bigger and bigger. And I was like, wow, this is great, except I'm really tired. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I decided to go part time. I left that job and found a part time job in between. And then I only had kept that job for like maybe six or eight months. And then I went full time for myself. So that felt really exciting and empowering, but it's also a scary experience leaving your set income and wondering what's going to come from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back, how are there anything, anything that you would have done differently, really, other than maybe time management, letting go of that yucky space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I probably should have done what you did and, like, the timeline made it smaller at least because um, I did it for two years and it was holy moly <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> um, yeah definitely <laughs> would not recommend doing no. two jobs for two years um but here we are here you are so you've had your own company for how long now um I think it officially was in 2018 so four years Oh, amazing. Congratulations. And we met each other through the Socially Conscious Social Club, which is uh, hosted and owned by Totally Terran Social. I said that right, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love her monthly her meetups and her calendar. Are you using that a lot in your business too? Um, yeah, I try to whenever I am actually posting consistent content. Fair. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> It's very handy um, to know those important dates. Yes, for sure. Uh, so please tell me more. What do you love about design? Um, a lot of things. It's, I mean, it's been kind of my passion thing since I was a kid. So um, okay. I, it's easy when, you're, when it's your job to like lose track of the fun elements of it. Um, so I like to take a step back and have fun because <laughs> um, design can be really fun. Um, I like just the transformation of taking, cause I do branding. So taking probably someone's old brand or if they don't have a brand yet and then transforming it into something that it's just so them, um, that's really satisfying, um, yeah. to see and to see the look on like the client's face when you present the, their brand that this feels like them. Yeah. One of my favorite things. I love that. How do you find that process? This is not part of the pre-programmed questions, but how do you help a brand find their true authentic self? What is that process like for you? Um, so I'm a pretty intuitive person. Um, I'm a highly sensitive person. I, so I am able to pick up on people's like vibe really well. Um, so I usually have a strategy call to start any project uh, where we talk about their challenges, who their audience is, get really clear on all of those things. And I'm able to just kind of help them with their vision um, through usually just a, a strategy call at the start. Cool. I feel like your intuition really helps curb yeah. your design and <laughs> your creativity just like flow in the right way. It's yeah. amazing. Um, so what does a day in the life of Chloe look like? 
all over the place. Um, <laughs> it's different every day. Um, I started using Notion to plan my days now, which has been a game changer. Um, I used to, I jumped around from like Trello to Asana to mm. all the things. And I, I'm really liking Notion because it can be, it's like customizable. This is not <laughs> promoted by Notion. Um, but uh, <laughs> I used to be sponsored I, by Notion. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. Um, so I just, I kind of plan everything out in there and then go off of the list. So I have like a master list in there mm-hmm. and then I'll assign different things to different days. So it depends on the load of each day. Uh, Mondays are my CEO days, which was the best choice I've ever made. Um, so on Mondays, I don't do client things. I don't email. Mm-hmm. I don't go on like client calls. I just work on the business instead of in the business Um, Mm, that's so important because it can be really hard to find that time and if you're not carving out that time or making the space for your business how are you going to grow right yeah and now i don't dread mondays because there's like nothing scary or weird that i have to do mondays are fun now (laughs) (laughs) i've heard really good things about notion um i haven't really played around with it what would you say it's like compared to Asana or Trello? Um, so there definitely is a learning curve. Um, if you're not super technically savvy, it's kind of tricky. Um, but I, I just like that because Trello and Asana have very like specific things that you do with them. You can't customize them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Notion... I, you just can't it's there's just so much customization and you can filter things however you want it's just honestly I think you should make a reel of your notion I would oh love to see please show us the behind the scenes oh yeah that is a good idea Maybe. I would love it I would definitely geek out over that <laughs> what would you say your creative process is like how do you tune in start drawing and find that inspiration um, so, as I said, I grew up in northern Michigan, um, in a house surrounded by woods. Uh, so nature is a big one for me. Um, you know, feeling grounded, connected to the earth is important. <laughs> so I like to go for walks, things like that. If I'm not feeling super inspired, um, just to get out of the, the space. I like to also look at like old, I don't have to be old, but, like graphic design textbooks, like older designs and like do a throwback. Mm, fun. Um, those are super fun. Oh, of course, like Pinterest <laughs> is always a classic place to love learn. it. Um, Absolutely. I try not to doom scroll on Instagram for inspiration because then it's like you don't come up with original stuff too much. No, it's very crowded sometimes. <laughs> um, and then your your own voice isn't coming through, or maybe your client's voice is getting me I can totally understand that we have a lovely listener who says that she has hated Trello and has used Asana but she's gonna look into trying Notion so yeah. that's cool try it let us know what you think yeah also please sponsor us Notion thank you when you're outside or in your office space what kind of process are you looking for when you're looking for that design inspiration, you're on Pinterest, you're, you're searching around, what do you find? Um, it really depends on what the project is. Um, it 
can vary greatly. It could be anything from like a random street sign or like a painting or it can vary a lot. Cool. What kind of, and how would you define a kind conscious brand or business that you most likely work with? What does that look like? Yeah, so it's basically anyone who's helping the world or helping other people in some way. So like an example would be, and it's usually a lot of service providers, um, coaches, consultants, um, mm. like a therapist is a good example of someone mm. um, or like a photographer that works with uh, health conscious um, food brands would be a good one. Um, I'm working with a nonprofit that I can't talk about too much yet, which actually was with Taryn. Um, oh, cool. we're, we're working on a little project to uh, raise money for orphaned animals in Ukraine. Um, yeah. So people who are just, you know, trying to make a, a positive difference in the world. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of software or forms kind of stuff do you use when you're designing and in your everyday business other than Notion? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I use a lot of Adobe things, Mm -hmm. as one does. Um, I Mostly just three of them. I use Illustrator, InDesign, and Photoshop the most. InDesign, probably the least. Um, Illustrator's where it's at, especially Mm -hmm. logo design. I don't need, don't need to go into the No, you don't have to go into it. But, but I could. Um, I love talking about that stuff. Um, sometimes I use like Adobe Premiere or Rush um, to edit videos. Rush is kind of handy if you have the Adobe suite on your phone. You can add mm-hmm. edit videos on there. Um, and Canva, of course, has become yes. an integral part of, I think, everyone's business these days. Um, That's I use Canva much. a lot. Back in my day, I swear Campo was not as good as it used to be. It was not. And, like, I was in university being like, I wish I could remove the background on this logo. And nowadays, it's like a whole new world. Yeah. I remember the early days of Canva. And I, yeah. people would try to use it. And I was like, what are you doing? Just use Adobe. But now it was I know. Like, it's, it's so handy for people who, like, Adobe's expensive. If you're not a designer, Canva's mm-hmm. free. Like, get Canva. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's very accessible for like different people or nonprofits. And I think a lot of people are using it, which is great. Yeah. Definitely has changed so much. So kudos to them too, for listening to their audience and tuning yeah. into what we need. That's They've awesome. Been making awesome updates lately. Yeah. Um, so we know that you love old school design practices. Can you tell us a little bit about print media and typewriters and how these influence your designs? Sure. Um, I actually have like a little letterpress uh, machine that I use sometimes. It's kind of out of commission now because we moved and it's, you know, far away. But it's super fun. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing that I like most about kind of the old school um, methods is the tangibility. Like with all everything being so digital all the time you lose track of like what it feels like to make something with your hands. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really, it's more, even more satisfying. Um, And and it's also going back to like grounding yourself. Like it's just, there's something about holding, like actually holding a physical thing that you created. That's really nice. I love that. So do you use your, your letterpress often or have you in your designs that you turn digital? 
letterpress. I don't think I've used that too much. Um, I usually start designs um, on pencil or Sharpie and paper. Mm -hmm. um, I sometimes use my iPad just to skip a step. <laughs> um, it's digital, but you still have the hand yeah. feeling. Um, yeah, the letterpress is tricky because mine is really tiny. It's a three by five. It's like the size of the plate on it. Um, so all of the type I have is really, really tiny. It's like mm -hmm. six point Garamond, like very small. Um, very so cool. Really tricky to scan. So fun. But super fun. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would be tricky to scan too, or to like blow it up and make yeah. it work. Yeah. But it sounds really cool to play with and to get your creative skills flowing. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of your favorite companies or campaigns that you've worked on recently? Sure. Um, so there's the one that I'm working with, the secret project that I'm working <laughs> on, which that one's just so exciting right now because it's just like such an important thing to be helping abandoned orphaned animals. Um, and so there's that one that's really not fun, but fulfilling and mm -hmm. important. Um, and then I work with Michigan State University, their cool. museum. Every year I design the identity for it. Um, they have like a specific, it's called the CoLab um, exhibit where they, the exhibit kind of challenges different topics. So this year's was called um, 1.5 Celsius because it's all about climate change and mm -hmm. um, different exhibits on, you know, the positives and the negatives. Can we save ourselves? Can we not? Um, right. And so I did the identity for that. And that is always really interesting um, to see what different people come up with. And then recently I also did um, Alyssa Boyer. She is an HSP um, mentor on Instagram at um, Life by Alyssa is her handle, Alyssa with an I. Uh, yes. And I just did her website uh, fairly recently, which was really, really fun to do. Ooh, cool. I love your designs. I feel like we're very similar. Like, we love yeah, we have similar. Her. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking yeah. at a disco ball in the corner of the room right now. <laughs> I wish. I have like, this little, like, this little light piece that kind of brings it in yes when I saw your brand photos and they had the confetti everywhere I was like oh my gosh yes <laughs> we need to go to North Carolina right now <laughs> yes <laughs> um so working with your super secret project and kind conscious businesses you have probably come across a lot of accessibility in design mm -hmm. can you tell us what that is first yeah. There's more <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> um, so to start, there are different kinds of accessibility. So there's digital accessibility, physical accessibility. Um, I focus on digital on the internet. Um, but an example of physical accessibility is like making sure that there's a ramp for people who use wheelchairs or like making sure the doorways are wide enough or things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then digital accessibility is a whole different ball game um, with so many components. Um, so uh, around 20% of people uh, have a disability. So I don't know where the location is at. That's just the United States or the whole population. Um, but still, it's a huge number um, of people who have some kind of a disability. Mm -hmm. And basically accessibility practices make it so people with disabilities can consume your content. 
And the best part about it is that when you make it easier for people with disabilities to consume your content, you also make it easier for everyone to consume your content. That's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am working with a client um, and we're building out her brand and her business and she is a EDI consultant. And we were just talking this week about how the word accessibility makes people's brains turn off. They, they hear the word and they're like, okay, yeah, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. But I think that we all really need to dig deeper when we hear those kinds of terms and look inward and think about like maybe what you need compared to somebody else. And it's, that's the start of the process. It's not about, yeah, it's not about profit or any of those kinds of things. It's really so much more than that. Yeah, it's pretty much a necessity at this point. It's yeah. like, it's not, it's not a fun, cool thing to do. It's something you need to be doing. This is not a trendy thing. This yeah. is a necessity. I totally agree. Um, so in digital design, what are some of the common ways that you've seen designs be very inaccessible? And what are some ways that we can correct that? Mm -hmm. Um, so color contrast is a big one. I talk about that a lot. Um, so what color contrast is, is the amount, there's a way to measure the amount of contrast between a background and the text that's on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think about colors and if, if you were to turn them to grayscale, like what, how close would they be in shade to each other? That kind of is what contrast is. So people with visual disabilities, um, can still see your content, even people without visual disabilities. It can be really tricky sometimes. Um, so like, for example, one of my brand colors is pink and pink is notoriously difficult um, for <laughs> passing color contrast. Um, so I, you can't always use white text on pink um, because if you were to turn them both to grayscale, the contrast just isn't high enough most mm. of the time. Um, the scale kind of shifts if you have large text versus small text, um, but essentially the higher the contrast, the better, except <laughs> there are some people who are sensitive to too high of contrast. So that would be black and white would be the most contrast that you could ever get. Um, and some people have a hard time viewing that. It's hard on their eyes. So something you can do to prevent that is instead of using um, like a full black, you can use a dark gray or like a darker color of one of your brand colors. That's great to know. I was so grateful that you had a look at our rebrand before we went live and you had some wonderful points. And I was like, oh my goodness, I had never thought about that before. And again, yeah. A necessity so thank you for your beautiful mind on that thank you yeah, of course. <laughs> um what about content like flashing videos and quick gifts can these be hard for people to see can it trigger something like an epileptic seizure yeah it definitely can um if you are going to include fla flashing graphics um there are some things to watch out for um mm -hmm. Basically, try to avoid it if you can, but like if it's if it's necessary, try to make sure that um, it doesn't flash. I think it was three times in one second. Um, okay. That's like too fast. Um, also, try to avoid red. Red apparently is more um, of a trigger. Harsh. Yeah, it's more of a trigger. Um, 
for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and then something you can do instead of doing like flashing would be to have something that <laughs> it's hard to describe like changes size you know like it goes like bigger and smaller kind of yeah. slowly so it kind of like bounces instead okay. of like fully flashing mm -hmm. um and avoid having like the full screen flashing and the smaller it is the better right. so a section maybe of an email or yeah not a whole banner okay okay yeah. that's good to know that's good to know um and how are color and topography important aspects of accessibility yeah, very, they're both very important. Um, so I didn't really talk about typography yet. Um, Dive in. Using a legible font. <laughs> I love fonts. Yeah, I have the, type, the table of fonts behind me. Um, uh, using a legible font is very important, um, especially like on Instagram where the graphic is pretty small. Um, mm -hmm. So you want to make sure if you're making stuff for social, usually a good rule of thumb is make it a little bigger than you think it needs to be because mm. it can be tricky to read. Um, and then when it comes to text on images, another thing to do is make sure that your images have alt text. Instagram mm -hmm. doesn't make it super easy to do that while scheduling, um, but you can go in after and add it. It's kind of a pain, but hopefully one day they will, you know, work with the auto publishing programs. That would be great. <laughs> um, and then something else you can do as well is provide image descriptions in your caption or um, in the comments. I usually do it in the caption because then um, a screen reader will read it out with the caption. Um, so you want to make sure that you describe your images if they have text to them in the caption. Um, cool. That's great. Uh, and I also know that like when you're adding the alt text, it's so good for the algorithm. It likes that. Does so it? I good. Think so. <laughs> That's good to say. Oh, um, and the difference between an image description and alt text. Go so on. alt text, the way you want to write it is you don't need to say like, this is a photo of like, we know. Right. Yeah. Just, just jump right in. And if the alt text is going to be a brief description. So like, keep it simple, just what people need to know about what's in the image. The image description can be a lot more detailed. It can be like in your own brand voice. Um, you can go okay. into more more details in the image description. Oh, that's a good point. And that's a great way of using your brand voice too. It doesn't have to be boring. Like this is a woman sitting yeah. up there talking yeah. to Chloe <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> it can be different. I like that. Right. Good point. Um, is there anything else about fonts to consider? I'm sure. Um, I guess the oh well, you don't want to do like um, script fonts are really tricky to read, so yeah. use them sparingly. Yeah. Um, headings is the best place for a script font. Um, I would never do body copy in a script. Um, same goes for a lot of like the trendy, like wavy fonts. Um, mm -hmm. Bigger, smaller amounts of text are good. Um, and keep your paragraphs legible. <laughs> a nice yes. scan serif or a serif font. Yes. <laughs> um, I have a vendetta against script fonts. I think they can be very beautiful, but they can also be so hard to read and so annoying. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, and script fonts are easier to be bad fonts, like just yes. made. Like if people are 
because the there's so many different like ligatures ligature is the um, when two letters are next to each other how they like connect um mm -hmm. and with script fonts there are so many different combinations to consider that like I mean I think we've all probably seen a script font where the little loopy thing like weirdly crosses another letter where it's not supposed to instead of yes. expecting they just they're iffy you have to get a good one if you're gonna get one and it's so hard to find a good one definitely yeah or everyone's perception of good could be different that's very true <laughs> thing um so what are some of the main ways that we can as designers and agencies and just general people in life that we can ensure and check that designs are accessible mm -hmm. so the easiest things are uh the check your color contrast mm -hmm. oh and how do you do that? Um, there are many, many websites um, to check color contrast. So one of them is WebAIM. Um, and you can just Google WebAIM color contrast checker and then it comes up. It actually has a nice little side panel that explains what the heck the numbers mean. Um, so when you're checking the color contrast, there is, it grades it on a ratio level. So like a one-to-one -one ratio to like mm -hmm. nine-to-one ratio whatever um the higher the number the better the contrast i think it has to be at least a 4.5 to 1 ratio to um, pass the lowest level of accessibility um so web aim is one for that and then mm -hmm. also the one that i use on my computer i have a mac this is only a mac um available thing but it is okay. called pika like pick a color um, oh yeah i-k-a um, and that is really helpful. It lives up in the top of my um, computer bar, nice. and I can just click on it and I drop colors and check colors super duper easily. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really, it's quite handy. Yeah. Um, if you have, yeah, so we talked about if you have text in your images, add alt text, and that doesn't go just for Instagram. That's like, if you're sending emails out, if it's on your mm -hmm. website, like, alt text and alt text is really good for seo too um on websites so mm -hmm. that describe your images with image descriptions um on instagram if you do hashtags you can do camel case so that screen readers don't just read a bunch of like you know nonsense oh, um, i've never heard case, that one it will read it as like individual words okay um i don't know if instagram is being nicer now i for a minute, they were saying that, like, hashtags only counted if they were in your caption. Um, mm -hmm. But for accessibility, it's better to have them in the comments because then when the mm -hmm. screen reader is reading your caption, they don't have to read all of the hashtags. Could you imagine <laughs> scrolling through and just hearing, like, hashtag creative lady directory, <laughs> hashtag magic hour. I would right. want it to be over. Right. <laughs> as like an able-bodied person it's like you don't you need to start thinking about um yeah. when you're creating your content yeah that's fascinating i want to like test out my instagram feed on a screen reader right now yeah. <laughs> um and where can people learn more about accessibility in design is there articles or courses that people can take any associations mm -hmm. databases of all this knowledge. How did you learn about all this? <laughs> um, well, I actually, one of my first like freelancy clients um, when I was building my business, 
just happened to be a digital accessibility company. Um, mm. And so I helped update their brand and uh, make it all accessible. I remember being so bummed when I first learned about it that like I couldn't use bright colors because it wasn't accessible. And in design school, they're like, oh, just use whatever colors you want. Like it's fine. Right. And I was like, oh, I can't like, I can't use any fun colors. And then I was Aww. like, oh, but wait, if people can read it. So that's more important. Um, but like making that switch is really important and design school doesn't talk about this stuff. Um, Interesting. I wonder if they are in 2022. I hope maybe. they would be. I hope so, but you know, <laughs> I don't have a lot of Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other rant about how the educational system can be hard, but <laughs> far behind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you learned about it through your client and then did you kind of have an interest and start gaining all this knowledge over the years kind of vibe? Yeah, so I actually still work with them um, and I've just learned so much over the years in all the different ways that you can still have a fun brand like and have it be accessible like it's not oh, it's not really a barrier like it's you can do it um awesome but oh the one of the websites where you can go to learn more is called w3.org slash wai and they have a lot of free information on there um if you just google digital accessibility a ton of stuff pops up. Um, a paid version is called DQ University, D-E-Q-U-E University. Okay. They have a lot of paid courses um, that teach about accessibility. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so to you, in your personal opinion, what would you say are some of the most important aspects of design? So it would be like, the story that you're telling, um, that's the most important thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then that informs the actual design choices. So when, back to design school, when you're taught design, <laughs> it's like they were always teaching like, oh, great design is invisible. Like people don't even see it because it's so it's so good at getting the message across that like they don't even know what's happening. Which, okay. I mean, I think that's kind of like an old school approach because I like to make sure people are having fun while they are yes. um, getting the information so they do notice the design um, as well. But um, the the story that you're telling is probably the most important part of design. I agree. And it really filters into every aspect of your design too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any trends that you are seeing nowadays out there on the interwebs that people need to be more aware of? So I would say to be cautious with trends. Um, mm. Trends are fun, but trends come and go. Um, mm -hmm. So I would just keep in mind like your brand and what is actually on brand for you and then assess the trend with that in mind um, because you don't want to be the brand that's constantly switching and going with the trends because then, you know, you don't have a brand anymore. You just have like random trends that come and go. Mm -hmm. um, I guess some of the trends that are going around is like a less polished look to like video editing mm -hmm. um, and some design things like more um, collage -y, things like that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Megan. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. That's so nice. <laughs> Um, 
one that's good for adapting to all brands is um, digital stickers and badges. Those are mm -hmm. fun yeah. and adaptable. So you can have them created to match your own brand and your own vibe and then still be like participating in the fun trend and then make it part of your brand. Mm -hmm. um, something that's really cool is that's becoming more popular, I think, is like AI generated art. Yes. Um, it's have you tried it? I have seen it and I think it is fascinating. It is what like you can lose so much time. It's a dark <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah. There's the I think the main website, um it's called crayon.com and it's C R A I Y O N because it's like AI, you know, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. Um but if you go to that website and you can type in a prompt and be as detailed as you want, and they'll come up with the most wild images. It's it's really fun um, and cool. To yeah. But that's one thing. Um, see, retro stuff is popular. Um, as we were talking about earlier, though, like <laughs> I've seen this recently, so and it's bothering me. Um, I. Uh, read some articles that were talking about trends and they were talking about using inclusive visuals is a trend. Mm. And it made me so upset because I was like, like, as we were talking about before, like accessibility, making your stuff accessible, isn't just like this fun trend. It's like, you need to do it. Like no, using inclusive imagery is not a trend. It's no, like, you shouldn't be putting a BIPOC person the bottom of your... the bar. Like, yeah. Just because, oh, it's trending now. Let's put someone in our campaign or let's have a model or no, right. that should be already happening just because like, you're a good person. <laughs> I know. It made yeah. me so upset. Oh, I can relate to that. Yeah. Are there any companies or brands out there that you would think do an incredible job of accessibility in design? Um, I'm sure there are a lot. I don't have a ton off the top of my head, though. I mean, DQ does because they're a digital accessibility company. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton off the top of my head, though. That oh, no it, it's hard to tell because when something is super accessible, like, you don't really notice it or especially as I don't have any disabilities. Um, so it's hard to know on the surface because when they're doing a good job, it's like everyone can access their information really, really easily. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm sure there are a lot out there. Totally fair. Uh, we're almost at the end of the question. So exciting. <laughs> um, how do you measure success as a designer? So it's a tricky one. Um, I, my goal as a designer is to help people. So if I'm helping people, I feel successful. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> basically it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a happy client, it's a good day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any tips that you would like to share with anyone who is creating their own design work who might be listening? Sure. Um, don't be afraid of white space. White space in the design world is basically any empty space where you don't have like an element in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be a game changer to have a lot of white space, um, especially with like minimal design things that are trending um, and just making things clear. So like, depending if you're a minimalist or a maximalist, sometimes when you're, if you're designing something, 
then you just take one thing away and it's better or you know you add like do one thing at a time if you're doing it in canva i always duplicate constantly um every time i change something pretty much i just duplicate yeah and then i keep working on it and then you can always go back to your previous thing so like iteration is really important um never have i done something on the exact first try no. um, <laughs> yeah like brainstorm brain dump things mm -hmm. like that are super duper helpful mm -hmm. that's a great tip i mm -hmm. love making copies of everything <laughs> except then i'll have a thousand images of something in my camera roll or screenshots on my computer yeah. Um, and for anyone who is interested in becoming a graphic designer, do you have any advice to share with them? Um, I guess just start doing stuff with Canva and things like it's so accessible these days, um, and easier, just easier to do. Um, there's a million YouTube tutorials, videos, classes, all for free. Um, there's a ton of paid courses. I love creatives has a lot of like really cool paid courses. Mm -hmm. Um, the future without an E has a lot of, um, free content on YouTube. There's Ooh. a ton. <laughs> there is. The world is our oyster. There's so much to learn. Amazing. Well, the very last question is, I think you should plug a little bit about yourself and make sure everyone is following you. Tell us where we can find your website and your socials, all the things. Sure. Um, so my website is chloeariel.com. It is C-H-L-O-E-A-R-I-E-L-L-E.com. <laughs> um, I actually just launched a new offering doing a VIP day um, for website design. So it's called Dreamy Website in a Day, and mm -hmm. it is building your dream website in a day um, on Squarespace. And I'm really excited about that. Um, the link to that currently is in my bio, depending on when the podcast comes out, it might not be there anymore, but it's on my <laughs> website. Um, you should be able to find it. Um, yeah, if you need a new website going into the end of the year, I have two spots left for the end of this year, and then I'm already booking people for next year too. So Perfect. head to that <laughs> link and apply. <laughs> You have a busy year ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And did you tell us about your socials? Did we already do that part? Yeah, I just, I, Instagram, okay, at Chloe Ariel. Uh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> same spelling. Yeah. Awesome. Are you on TikTok? I am not on TikTok mm. because I don't have that kind of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. I would never <laughs> not be on TikTok. Yeah, so I'm not right now. Um, just doing just doing the gram. <laughs> The gram's pretty great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for yeah, coming so on the hour. I think this is a great way to kick it off again. And it has been an absolute pleasure to learn more about this with you. Yeah, it's been lovely. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>